this is the time of our service where we have the passage of scripture this morning read. So we'll be continuing our series in or, uh, entitled Origins through the book of Genesis. We'll be in chapter 45 this morning. I'll just be reading verses 1 through 8. And the word of the Lord says this. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. gathering in your houses or in your cars, wherever you may be this morning, to uh, join us in worship this morning. Uh, The roads are better, but our parking lot is full of snow and ice, so uh, hopefully by this afternoon that ice and snow has melted and gone away. Uh, I pray that you have had a good time with your families being uh, together in your houses and that God has blessed you tremendously in these last several days, and now I know if you're like me, you're ready for the snow and ice to, to be melted and get back to somewhat normalcy. Uh, just two announcements to see this morning, and then we'll, as Jared said, jump into this series in Genesis chapter 45 as we continue uh, walking our way through the book of Genesis. Uh, the two announcements this morning, and then I'll pray for us and jump in God's word. Uh, the, the baby shower that was for Deborah, this afternoon, has been postponed till next Sunday uh, at 4 o'clock. That's Sunday the 28th, uh, February the 28th at 4 o'clock. So please mark your calendars for that. That's a baby uh, shower drive-through. We will drive through and just uh, give Deborah gifts uh, as we drive through. So that's, uh, again, February the 28th at 4 o'clock. The the last announcement is please continue to check uh, on Facebook to fill out every week as we walk through uh, praying the book. Uh, the guys um, have put together a survey for us to take as we study that book together. And this week you may have gotten an email from Tracy. It's a chart on how to pray through the uh, Psalms. And so if you have not got that, uh, write us an email or uh, write us something on Facebook. We'll get you that chart uh, as soon as possible. Let me pray for us, and then we will jump into God's word this morning. God, I'm grateful for all that you do for us. I'm grateful for even this week. 
being reminded of your passage of Scripture that you promised us that you will make us whiter than snow. Being covered with snow this week just reminded me of my own sin and how my own sin needs to be covered whiter than snow. And being reminded that your blood so preciously does that for me, Lord Jesus. I'm grateful for that. I pray for us now as we jump into your holy word that you would bring through the Holy Spirit both revelation and conviction, that we would see things that we have not seen from your word before, and out of seeing things in your word um, that we have not seen, it would bring great conviction that would lead us to have lives that are transformed. It's not what we know that matters, it's what we do with what we know that matters. So I pray that we would become, as James says, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So now let me be faithful in preaching the word to your people so they cannot be without excuse to say they have not heard your word. For then through your kindness, your goodness, your new mercies to us every morning, that you would allow us to be also doers of the word. Holy Spirit, bring transformation. May all that hear this message this morning be transformed by the renewal of our minds and by our spirits. In only the way that you can, Holy Spirit. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis <clears throat> chapter 45. Just to recap where we've been. Um, this is the tail end of Genesis. We're in the, the life of Jacob and Joseph. Jacob uh, is the father of Joseph. Joseph was the beloved son of Jacob. Uh, Jacob was, is one of our patriarchs in the faith. Joseph was the oldest uh, son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. Jacob bestowed many, many gifts upon young Joseph, but one, as you remember, is the coat of many colors that set him apart from his other brothers, his other older brothers. The ten older brothers hated him for the beloved uh, relationship that he had with his father. Uh, They knew that they were not of uh, that relationship that he had with, with Rachel, but he, they were uh, parented by him and concubines or Leah, and there was just not the same love relationship that Jacob had with his other sons. So much so that one day when they were out tending to the fields and to the flock that Jacob said to Joseph, hey, go check on your brothers, see what's happening with them. And as you remember, he is far off, and they see that coat of many colors coming towards them, and they come up with this plan to take Joseph and kill him. And then there's this banter back and forth between the brothers, not to kill him, but to throw him into a pit. So they throw him into a pit, and then they don't want him to die in the pit, so they sell him into slavery. The ones that they sold him to journeyed to Egypt with him and sold him to the Egyptians, or to Potiphar. And it was there in Potiphar's house that he began to see, we see this theme in the life of Joseph over and over and over again, that the the mighty hand of God was upon him, or the strong arm of the Lord was with him. In every place that Joseph went, God blessed him. God raised him to power. He did that in Potiphar's house. But once he was in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife saw him and was attracted to him and wanted to lie with him. And day after day, Joseph would run from her presence. 
He one day told her, I cannot sin against my master, but more importantly, I cannot sin against my Lord. It was on that day or one of the days like that that she grabs him by the coat and he flees. And in fleeing, she has evidence that she's going to use to trick Potiphar and the Egyptians that this Hebrew boy came into the house to sleep with her. He's thrown into prison for that. And even there in prison, we see God's hand, God's sovereign hand that we'll see again this morning on his life. It's there that God's sovereign hand per- promotes him to a place of the highest in the prison. And God uses him that way. And then these two men of Pharaoh are thrown into prison and they have these dreams. And Joseph interprets a dream for them. It takes two years for those Dreams to come back into the mind of the cupbearer to be remembered that this young Joseph can tell and foretell dreams. Pharaoh sends for Joseph out of the prison to tell the dream that he had. Now, the dream was this, that there would be seven years of plenty. And then after the seven years of plenty, there'd be seven years of famine. And this is where we find ourselves in the midst of the story that the first seven years of that dream have been in fruition. And now we're in the first two years as we saw in the text. These first two years of famine are upon the Egyptians. So much so that God would use this famine to bring his brothers back and forth several trips to make provisions for them. All the while, Joseph seeing his brothers and does not reveal himself to his brothers, but he knows it's his brothers, his brothers do not know it's him. And so all along this way, Joseph is testing the heart of his brothers to see if there's been true heart change in them. Test after test after test. Well, we finally got to last week, and we'll come into today's passage the same way. The last test had been passed by the brothers. Joseph had seen true heart change. Remember at this moment, they had been tested in young Benjamin. Joseph's only full brother had been accused of stealing from Joseph. They brought back into the presence of Joseph. And Judah speaks up. That is the line that we will finally one day see Jesus come from. Judah speaks up and says, to Joseph, hey, not his life, but my life. May it be what whatever happened to him happened to me. And that's where we find ourselves this morning as we open the text. That the brothers are around Joseph, they're pleading for their lives, they're pleading for Benjamin's life, and it comes to this place that Joseph can no longer hold back who he is. Point number one in this morning's text is Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. But more important, he reveals the sovereign plan of God. God's sovereignty is throughout this passage. That is the theme of this passage, not the revelation of who Joseph is, but it's the revelation of God's sovereign plan. I pray that would be true for your life and my life this morning. And so here we have Joseph reveals himself. To his brothers, but he reveals God's sovereign plan. It says this, after they had had this conversation, Judah and Joseph have that conversation that they're pleading with 
uh, him for his brother's life. It says this in verse 1, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. But no one stayed with him. And Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud till the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. The first two verses, again, we see Joseph overcome with emotions. This had happened two other times with his brothers. The two other times that it happened with his brothers, if you remember, he dismissed himself to his quarters and, and got himself back into composure and washed his face off to go back with his brothers. This time, the emotions were too overwhelming for him. He sends everyone out of the room. Remember who Joseph was in that day. This is the second highest official in all of the land. If you know anything about people in leadership, they don't like that their emotions to be exposed. And so here Joseph is with his exposed emotions. He sends everyone out of his presence except for his brothers. This is important, verse 2 is important. The Egyptians hear his weeping even so much so they, they take his weeping to Pharaoh. That's going to come into play at the last part of the passage. So here is Joseph overwhelmed with emotion. And probably for the first time in this story, he speaks in his native tongue in verse 3. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? Verse 3b says this, but his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Joseph reveals his true identity to them. He could hold back no longer who he was to his brothers. He says, I am Joseph. No interpreter needed. It says in the text that his brothers heard what he said and they could give no answer. The, the literal rendition of the text in the Hebrew, it says this, they were without life. Their life had left them. They were so terrified, so dismayed. Have you ever been put in that position before that something is revealed to you that takes your breath away? That's what happened to these brothers. Remember, for 22 years, these 10 brothers and young Benjamin, the 11th included, thought that their brother had been killed. No way would they have thought that he would make it to this point 22 years later. Yes, he had been sold into slavery, they knew that, but to have a life of 22 years and to be in second in command, that they could not have dreamt that in their wildest of dreams. So here they are standing before Joseph II in all of the land, dismayed by what had happened. But I want you to see the heart of Joseph in the passage. Here's the moment that Joseph could get his revenge. Here's the moment that Joseph could now say, I've been holding back who I am, and now I'm going to reveal who I am to you, and I'm going to use my power to seek vengeance for what you've done to me. But that's not the heart of Joseph. I believe that God had been preparing 
for 22 years, this moment, the heart of Joseph. And it says this in the passage. After he revealed himself to his brothers, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And without hesitation, they came near. And he said, I am your brother. Catch what he says to them. I am your brother whom you sold into Egypt. You did this to me, is what he said. Your free will did this to me. If you've ever wondered if there's free will, there is free will. We see it in this passage. But what we're going to see here in a moment is free will never trumps the sovereignty of God. So yes, the free will of man says this. Yes, you did this to me. Joseph recognizes that their sin had placed him in this position. But let's see what he says following that statement. Whom you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Again, you did this to me. But do not be angry with yourselves. And here it is, the catch of the passage. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. If you've ever wondered if, I wonder if there's free will of man, I would say there is the free will of man, but is always under the power and reign of God's sovereign hand. Yes, we have the free will to choose and do what we believe, but we cannot choose and do what we believe outside of the sovereign will of God. These men were doing what they wanted to do, but it was because God had a sovereign plan for them and for Joseph. And what was God's sovereign plan? It's been the same from the beginning of time. It's the same that is true today. God's sovereignty in the midst of man's free will is this, that we would be used by God to preserve life. For God sent me before you. Circle every time he says God in the passage. Two times he says it's about them. Four times he says it's about God. He says God trumps your decisions every time. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For the famine that has been in these lands for two years, and there are yet five more years that are coming, that we cannot plow nor harvest, verse 7, but God, and God sent me before you to preserve you, a remnant of the earth, to keep alive for you many saviors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all of his house and ruler over all of the land. You see what Joseph was doing. Yes, he was revealing who he was. But more importantly, he was revealing who God was. Yes, he was Joseph, the young man that had been sold 22 years into slavery. But Joseph knew the sovereignty of God. That God had to have a plan for his life and a plan for his brother's lives. And though he, the, the brothers sinned and Joseph, we see, did not sin, God's sovereignty reigns on both the sinner and the, the one who has not sinned. The sovereign hand of God throughout all of Scripture we can see over and over again is this, that God would use 
people. To bring salvation to other people. He can use sin to do that. That's the mystery of God and the goodness of God, the kindness of God. But more importantly, probably most importantly, the sovereignty of God. And so now that the sovereignty of God has been on display to the brothers, Joseph says to them, now that you see the sovereignty of God in verse 9, he says this, God instructs his brothers, or Joseph instructs his brothers to retrieve and inform their father of God's sovereignty. Verse 9, hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and your eyes of my brother men my brother Benjamin see that this is my mouth that speaks to you. He says to his brothers, all 11 of them, go home, tell my father what God has done and what God has revealed to you. Now I wonder what's going on in the minds of the brothers after they hear this. Now they finally have to make confession for what they've done. Remember, we've said this throughout this story, throughout the life of Joseph and his brothers. They had thought they had got away with it. And over and over and over again, we see God continues to reveal himself and their sin to them. So much so that Judah had finally confessed it out loud last chapter. But now they finally have to make restitution and repentance to the father that they had lied to for 22 years. Joseph sends them on their way. But before he sends them on their way, he finally reunites with his brothers. There's finally both repentance and now, more importantly, restoration or unity. See, you can have repentance but the key part to repentance that changes everything is the restoration that happens after repentance. Yes, repentance comes first, but without restitution or being reunited, there can be no relationship. And now we see Joseph's heart yet again in verse 14 and 15. After he said, go down and tell my father and bring all of your people back to me. He says this. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck. And he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. But catch verse 15. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked. With him. Remember the, where we had just seen the brothers 
They were speechless. And now after receiving forgiveness and being reunited, reunited with their brother Joseph, they weep and talk together. There's no telling how long verse 15 is. But think for a moment. Ten brothers, 22 years. How many stories that they had to share in that moment and the moments to come. They were reunited with one another. And after being reunited, after being forgiven, they are on their way. It says this in verse 16 about Pharaoh. Pharaoh had heard about what was going on in Joseph's house. It says this, and when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers had come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your beast and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me. And I will give you the best land of Egypt. And you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt and your little ones and your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for the goods for the best All the land of Egypt is yours. And the sons of Israel, or Jacob, did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as the following. Ten donkey loaded with good, good things of Egypt. Ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provisions for the father's journey. And then he set his brothers away. And as they departed, he said this to them. Do not quarrel on your way. Here we see Joseph. We see Pharaoh. We see the sovereign hand of God, his provision for them. What he had meant from the very beginning of the story, that God would provide and take care of them. We see the sovereign plan of God coming into full fruition to preserve the lives of people. He did that through Joseph. Now he's doing it through a wicked, wicked Pharaoh. He's preserving the lives of people. He says, take all this for your journey so that you can go to your father and that your father can come back and be okay on his journey back. But catch what he says at the very end of the passage in 24. Joseph, right before they leave, he says this to them, do not quarrel or do not fight on your way. Basically, what he was saying is, hey, you have been forgiven. There's no need to continue talking about what you did to me. He knew his brothers enough to know they would get into this huge argument about who did what, why they did what. And so simply, Joseph simply says, do not fight about what has happened. And so they return home with all the provisions, with all the gifts that Joseph and Pharaoh had provided. Verse 25. And so they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he's ruler over all the land of Egypt. 
Jacob's heart became numb, and he did not believe them. But when they had told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons of Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Remember what had happened to to Jacob 22 years prior when they told him his son had died. It said that his spirit had left him 22 years. No life was in this man until what? They heard all that what? God had done. You see, it was God's sovereignty that reawoken the heart of Jacob. Jacob had heard all that God had done for Joseph, which would have reminded Jacob of all that God had done for him and all the ways that he had provided for him along the way. He's reminded of the sovereignty of God through the story of Joseph and his brothers. So much so that he has life again. And then in verse 28, it says this, In Israel, or Jacob said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. He says, I must go see my son. I must wrap my arms around him. I must kiss him. I must hold him. I must see him again. He's reawoken because of the sovereignty of God in this passage. Now, you and I come to this passage, and we have to ask the question, what does this passage have to do with us? I believe there's three-fold application for us. We've seen it throughout the story, but most particular about Joseph himself. There are three, maybe more, but I just want to point out three parallels between Joseph and Jesus. You see, Jesus is the greater Joseph. Jesus was given to us by God the same way that Joseph was given to his brothers to reveal God's sovereign will and God's sovereign plan. And so in this passage, we can see three things. Three places of the sovereignty of God in both Joseph and Jesus. The first one is this. God used both of them to save Jesus was been a promise to mankind since Genesis chapter 3. That there would be this man that was sent by God to preserve the lives of people. We know this from many passages, but probably the most famous of all the passages is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. God used Christ to save people the same way that he used Joseph to save his family. God's sovereign plan is to save people. The next thing that we see in God's sovereign plan is this. That both Joseph, but more importantly Jesus, God's sovereign plan was that we would see in Joseph what we were ultimately seeing in Jesus, that we would worship him. Remember, that was the dream. That was the dream 
that young Joseph had as a teenage boy, that his whole family would bow down and worship him. That is a foreshadow that what is told throughout, throughout all of the story of the Bible, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess and every body worship Christ. It says this, that the, the Apostle Paul wrote about that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. The same way that Joseph's brothers thought they would never bow down and worship. If you were an unbeliever, you would probably have that same declaration today. I will never bow down and worship God. Here is the promise of God and his sovereignty. Every tongue and every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. You will not have a choice. My prayer is this. Because it's a promise from God in his word. My prayer is that you would, by God's goodness to you, come to faith and bow before you die. So that you then can enter into the glory of God through repentance and salvation. But here's the promise. Every knee and every tongue on this planet will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether you like it or not, that is a promise from God. May God's kindness be poured out onto you. That you would come to repentance today to worship him before you die. And the last thing that we see, the parallel of God's sovereign plan between both Joseph and Jesus is this. There is an invitation by both men to enter into a kingdom that richly provides the same way that Joseph had said to his brothers, hey, go get my father and return to me. And you'll have the best of the best of the best of this land. Jesus says the same thing to us. There's an invitation through salvation to be part of his kingdom. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. But the Sermon on the Mount is all about this invitation to come into God's kingdom. But here's what else is true about that invitation. Not only to be invited into his kingdom now, but to be invited and welcomed into the kingdom when we pass away. This is the promise that Christ gives to the people that walk with him. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Would I have told you that I'd go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you will also be. The invitation today and in eternity is to be with Christ and God and the Holy Spirit in his kingdom forever and ever and ever. He is preparing a place for us. If you're a believer, that place is being prepared for your ultimate ret return and being reunited 
with Christ today. So my prayer is this. The same way that Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, that Christ is revealing himself to you. The same way that he said in John, the book of John, eight different times, I am. The same words that Joseph used here, I am Joseph. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread, I am the light. And on he goes, he is who he says he is. In revealing himself to us, Christ is also revealing God's sovereign plan to us. God's sovereign plan from the creation of the world has been this. That we would be with him forever and ever and ever. That is God's sovereign plan. My question to you this morning is this. Has God revealed himself to you? Has God made known about who he is to you? Has God revealed to you his plan to save you through Christ Jesus? You see, the same way that those brothers had to accept who Joseph was that day. You and I must accept Christ for who he says he is today. May God reveal himself, Christ, and the Holy Spirit to you this morning. Let me pray. God, I'm grateful for your revelation to me. That 18 years old, God, when I was so far from you and wanted nothing to do with you, you and your sovereign plan revealed so clearly to me who you were, who I was, what I needed to be near you, and that was your son, Jesus. I pray that you are doing that in this moment through the hearts and lives of anyone that's tuning in. Reveal yourself to them. God, your sovereignty is to have people worship you, that you would save people, that we'd be united with you in your kingdom forever and ever. Yes, God, there is the free will of man. But it is under the power of your sovereignty. May we never forget that. You are good and kind to us. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the benediction for us this morning. Jude chapter uh, 1, 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. With great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Please uh, fill out the survey and remember that this afternoon's drive-through drive baby shower has been postponed till next Sunday at 4 o'clock. Grace and peace to you today.